Nerds International proudly presents. What you are currently listening to is bonus content, and it will not affect the scheduling of your regular tabletop twats episodes. So please sit back and enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am Harrison. I don't know why I started this bonus content like that, but it's going to bloody well stay that way. Anyway. Long-time listeners of this show may remember me talking about the worst campaign that I ever played. And that was a um, campaign uh, that only lasted two days. It was supposed to be a long campaign, but it only lasted two days. um, Because it was so bad that uh, the two players in the campaign, yes, it only had two players, um, ended up killing themselves um, because it was so bad. And that was me and my friend Ryan. Now, this campaign was based on a book that was written by the GM, and the way that he did it was that he just uh, set us on this path um, that was where we would just see the characters of his book um, doing stuff, and we were supposed to think the characters were so awesome that we would just help them. Like, we weren't even the main characters of the story, they were. And we would just sort of be walking along and then we'd suddenly see them and he'd just copy-paste a big quote from his book and just, just read it aloud and that would be that. And we kind of just, just see them doing stuff and it was really, really quite bad. Not to mention the fact that I'd read the book and it might be one of the worst fantasy books ever written. Now, you guys can judge for yourself. I mean... It is, it is pretty terrible, but I've managed to get a copy of it. Uh, it's, it's pretty awful. Um, additionally, the whole conceit of the book is that there's a crystal, and the bad guys want the crystal to use it for bad, and the good guys want the crystal to use it for good. Now, in the campaign that we played, the two of us, the the PCs, got hold of the crystal immediately. We got hold of it immediately, and, and he expected us, the DM, uh, and we're going to give him a pseudonym here, we're going to call him Michael. Uh, Michael expected us to uh, use the crystal for good. So he expected us to bring it to this big temple, go on a big journey, and use it for good. Now, we decided that nobody should have it, and so we got in our airship, drove it out to the middle of the ocean, and said, we're going to chuck it in the ocean. And he just said, you can't do that. And we said, why? And he said, because that's not the story. You you can't do that. And we said, but we've just solved your problem. Nobody's ever going to know it's there in the middle of the ocean. It's going to sink deeper than anyone has the technology to go and get. Nobody's ever going to go and get it. And that's it. We've solved the problem. We've done your campaign in two sessions. Done. And he just said, you can't do that. And so, realistically, campaign over. And yeah, as I said, he just said, you can't do that. And so it was the worst campaign ever. So uh, we just broke character. We broke all pretense of actually role-playing and just started beating each other to death <laughs> on our airship. Uh, no, initially, we tried to crash the airship. And once again, he said, you can't do that. And so we just started drop-kicking each other. I mean, it was ludicrous enough because one of us was playing a um, luchador and the other one was like a traditional knight. Anyway, the point of all of this is I have a copy of his book. And what I was going to do is I was just going to read some of it out. 
I don't know if it's going to be uh, as bad as I remember. I do remember it being pretty bad. But I'm going to read some of it out. Uh, because I want you guys, as you're listening to this, to remember that I played a campaign based in this world. And that it was one of the worst fucking campaigns I've ever played in my life. So, here it is. This is The Void Concedus Awakening by... Let's just call him Michael. Here we go. Chapter 1. The Temple of the Wind. A sword that gives the holder power. The sword that is the power. (laughs) So the first line of the book contradicts itself. So, does the holder have the power? Or is the sword the power? Okay, (laughs) look, it doesn't matter. Okay, generations ago, a sword was made in the depths of hell that could drain the soul out of its victims. The sword was made to damn the people who committed enough evil to give them eternal torment. But it was one day stolen. Stolen by a man who was almost taken by the sword and he used the sword to gain power over the weak. His name was Concedus. No punctuation there. However, the sword did something else for him. It gave him the power of the souls it captured. That was not enough for Concedus, and he found a new way in which the sword could be utilised. He found that he could open alternate realities with the blade. Concedus found the power for the first time when he entered an alternate reality. He had destroyed much in the world before doing so, and there was a big problem with the power he obtained. Although he had gone through to an alternate dimension, the sword was no longer in his hands. The blade was left in the previous reality and on Lunar, and therefore he was stuck in the dimension he entered, and the story was forgotten until this day. Falcom awoke in her hut in the village of Shandu. <laughs> the hut contained a bed that was opposite the doorway towards the corner and against the wall. There was a cupboard on the left-hand wall which had a stack of pile of wood next to it towards the corner of the one-roomed hut. Closer to the doorway along the same wall was a rack filled with knives as well as a bow with arrows. Although it wasn't much, she loved and lived in it. The town never had the resources to make stone houses, for the only stone was on the other side of the forest where the creatures lurked and the village had kept themselves away from any danger beyond the boundaries of Shandu. Creatures were of all shapes and sizes and always caused so much trouble in the paths they travelled through. They had limbs like humans, but reptile-like features as many had sharp teeth and nails and skin of varying colour, some of which had scales. Why is he explaining what a creature is? This is ridiculous. They were said to be descendants of demons. Their anger towards anything else living and their thirst for domination keeps the world of Lunar in constant state of war between those creatures and the humans. The northern region of their continent was demon and creature territory, and they were occupied easily of the reign of demons in the dark times from before. Fuck me. This is so badly written. They generally stayed north, but were known to randomly attack south without hesitation due to their vicious and evil nature. Falcom had aw- oh fucking hell, I forgot about Falcom. Falcom had awoken to find Salin standing in the doorway. 
He wore a fur jacket, fur trousers and a thin shirt. He was taller than Falcon and was bearing a staff with a sharp blade on either end, much like a double-headed spear. Why didn't he just say he was carrying a double-headed spear then? It's not a fucking staff if it's got two blades on the end, you fucking idiot. His hair was brown and short and he had a cheeky grin on his face. Are we going today or are you just going to sleep the day away? He said and turned to leave but paused in the doorway. Oh, and happy 18th. You didn't think I'd forget, did you? Falcon smiled as he'd left the hut. Salin had always celebrated birthdays, though most in the village thought it was a waste of time as the older generation didn't take much to celebrating, but had put up with it a lot of the time. Falcon arose and got dressed into a pair of blue and white trousers and a matching top, then went over to the weapons rack and took off two of her silver knives. She always took her knives with her, she loved to train with them ever since she was able to when she was younger and able to learn her combat. Her own personal weapons were the two blades and without them on her possession it was as if part of her was missing. Her hair was shoulder length and curled at the end which flowed in the air as she spun her knives in her hands. Once prepared to leave, she did so and strode out of her hut to meet Salen. Falcom stared around for a minute, taking in the surroundings she had known all her life, but loved ever still. There were rows of huts in a large area towards the east that was kept undercover by a large straw roof. It had been set up by villagers for the festival which they have once a year which coincidentally fell alongside Falcom's birthday. The area was where they stored food and water and other provisions with Falcom and Salin finding supplies out in the wild as many of the villagers did. There were not too many that would venture into the woods but Falcom and Salin were two who were not afraid to get their hands dirty. Many of the villagers were the farming sort and had their own land in which crops were grown and hard work was put into the place. The village gathered their water from the sea that made a protection around the town which was below the cliff face that was south of the village. Their food they gained from the farmers from hunting in the woods north of the village, but the woods lurked all around from different types of creatures that Falcom and Sailing used for training, none of which were as tough as those as they heard around storied, storied told by villagers and the elder. Fuck me. The elder was in charge of the whole village and his word was final, which was spoken a lot. What? He was the eldest man in the village, but was called the elder for his wise words and wisdom, which was bestowed onto the next generations of the world outside and why they didn't venture past the woods. Fucking hell. He wasn't too old to get involved in helping the village thrive, as it did, in which he aided in much when... Fuck, I can't read this. I can't read this. Okay, I'm going to skip past all this village description because it's tedious. She stretched and saw Sailing come running out from the east. He's talking about Falcon. You going to stand there all day? He asked. I have a surprise. A surprise? What is it? Falcon said as she jumped up and down excitedly. <laughs> it wouldn't be a surprise if I told you. We'll have to go to the temple for you to receive it. Sailing teased as he began to walk up the hill. I figured we're going there anyway, so I put it there. Then let's go. She was too excited, and so ran past Salin, who looked happy to see her smile. To Salin, Falcon was like a little sister, and they had always been close, spending so much time together, they were practically unable to be separated. She loved surprises, and Salin knew this, and so used it as his advantage to put it up at the temple, and knew where she would head first. Everyone in the village was friendly and knew each other as they were calling out one morning and greeting by waving or smiling. They continued on their path but did however speak to some of Shandu's people which set them back a few minutes with some congratulations for her birthday and general discussions. 
general discussions. What a thrilling thing to put in a fucking story. The description in this fucking story is so tedious. Fuck! Both Salin and Falcon headed to the temple and began to leave the village as they were entering the fields that separated the temple and the village. Both Salin and Falcon headed to the temple and began to leave the village. As they were entering the fields that separated the temple and the village, they came to the fields where the crops were grown, and one field away from the temple when suddenly a masked character leaped out and charged at them. The field they were in was clear grass and was I thought they said it was crops. They literally he just said it was crops and now this and now he's saying it's clear grass. Do they just eat okay, well they must eat grass then, so they eat grass. The field they were in was clear grass and was used to test their their T-H-E-R-E combat or train with one another. Although Falcom and Salin trained on creatures in the woods and also protected the village from creatures that came close to attack. The character that had appeared was tall but wearing a black mask and black robes. His face could not be seen though as he stood if looking for a fight. Salin stood back as Falcom drew her weapons. The character drew a blade from his side and leaped into the air and attempted to slice Falcom in half. But Falcom expected it and brought her blades up preventing the attack. The attacker then pulled his blade back and thrust it forward. Falcom parried it down and swung her foot around the cloak character's face. Despite the fact that it would have taken much longer than just trying to use her blades, she went for a, a, a massive roundhouse kick. Fair enough. He flew back onto the ground and lost the grip of his blade. Wait, he pleaded as Falcon was about to strike again. It's me. He removed his mask and it was Kagan, Falcon's dad. Just testing your combat. He began to chuckle. Happy birthday, daughter. Right. That's ridiculous. So he knew that his daughter had real knives on her, right? Real knives, okay? And she thought, she thought, according to this fucking book, that she was being attacked and that she was gonna literally gonna be cut in half. That's what it says. The character drew a blade from his side and leaped into the air, attempted to slice Falcom in half. So she was trying to kill him. The only reason, the only reason why he was, he's not dead is because Falcon was stupid enough to try a roundhouse instead of trying to stab him, right? And then he was like, wait, it's me. What if he didn't have the time to say that? What if she'd have just fucking stabbed him in the fucking throat? He's, okay, the only reason why the dad is still alive is because both of them are stupid. That's why. He began to chuckle. Happy birthday, daughter. Falcom's father also protected the village with them, but he did not enter the woods. Uh, if this guy is in charge of protecting the village, then, then they're doomed. Thanks, Dad, she said, and then helped him to his feet. We're heading to the temple. Would you like to come? No, thank you. He looked at the temple. I've got to collect some stock. Probably just a bunch of grass, which is why I'm out here. Oh, that's how everyone speaks. So, so he's that's clearly a line that's said to explain it to the reader. Um, and anyway, why is he out there masked, holding blades, trying to attack his own daughter, risking his life when... Oh, this is retarded. Anyway, um, Salem told me you were passing by, so I planned an attack. <laughs> uh, he was in on it. Falcom looked 
at Salin as he smirked. Well, I best not slow you down as you should be on your way. He already did! There was there is a surprise waiting. Falcom smiled, jumping slightly. So she does that every time she's happy, I assume. As I have been told, she then went on her way with Salin running energetically. <laughs> Fucking hell. And with joy as she ran backwards and waved bye to her father. As the temple grew closer and closer, Falcon got more and more excited. Upon approaching the large doors of the temple, she didn't even hesitate to enter. The temple was a large construct with solid wooden doors and walls made of stone as it made for larger population, which would explain the size and power expressed by the monument. It was in the shape of a pyramid and the opening carved into a flat doorway seeping into the pyramid shape. It was mostly vacant as it wasn't understood by others within the village. Especially for a few generations, the Elder had ruled who believed it was unnecessary to involve themselves in acts that could lead to violence. The temple was heritage within Falcom's line of family, which without her mother, the temple was passed down to Falcom by order of heirs in Shandu. Falcom was the youngest person in her family history to take the heritage. Although not much is known about the entire family history as it was kept secret as to what went on in Falcom's holy place. Falcon walked in with pride as the door was covered in a silky purple carpet. Torches shone from the walls as there was a table at the end covered in a red cloth. There were pillars running alongside the walls on either side of the hall that led to the table. Walls were curved up to a... Oh, fuck off. Okay, so. There's a big table at the end with platinum knives on. That's all there is to this, right? That's all there is, right? It goes on for fucking ages, and then all there is is just there's some knives on the end of a table. All that needed to be done was one paragraph of description, and then she discovers that there's some knives, and she's very, very pleased about it, right? Platinum knives, right? Can, would there even be any reason to make knives out of platinum? I don't know. Somebody, somebody email in, because I'm willing to bet they would be inefficient. She gazed at them and raised them above her head like it's a video game. They were light as a feather and had pictures of what appeared to be eagles on the handles. Falcon had never seen an eagle and as a result did not know, so they only appeared to be eagles. They were sharp as razors and seemed indestructible despite being made of platinum. As Falcon knocked them against the altar, Falcon swung them in the air in disbelief. Despite holding them in her hand, she ran back to Salin, who was walking down the hall towards her, and gave him a hug. She pulled away briefly to look at him with the biggest smile, and then hugged Salin even harder. Thank you, thank you, thank you, she said repeatedly, even though it was in the text that she said it repeatedly, so there was no need to say that she said it repeatedly. It's not just from me, but it was my idea. Thank everyone later, though, as you probably want to mediate uh, as we are here. What?! It's not just from me, but it was my idea. Thank you. Thank everyone later, though, as you first probably want to medi mediate as we are here. I think that's a spelling error. I think that's a spelling error. I think it's meant to be meditate. Salen said as Falcon released him from her grip and he walked to the entrance of the temple where he left the temple. He, You could just say he left the temple. You could just say and then he left the temple. You don't have to say walk to the entrance of the temple to leave the temple and closed the doors behind him as he normally did. Falcon was so excited, she didn't want to meditate. Okay, so it was meditate, but thought she should, as it was tradition that once a week she was to head to the temple to meditate in order to find a purpose for her powers in being a warrior of the wind. 
Okay, they came out of nowhere. Falcon's mother passing before being able to explain her power was not something... Falcon's mother passing before her being able to explain her power was not something Falcon had cared for. She... <laughs> oh, God. Falcon, your mother has died. I care not for this, father. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, this is awful. Oh. Thinking of her mother, she walked up to the altar, or altar, spelt wrong, and placed the knives on the table onto the cloth in which, in which they came and took several steps back. She then sat cross-legged on the floor. She closed her eyes and began to think and concentrate, trying to still her mind. Shortly after, she began to try and bring peace to her inner self. A voice suddenly came into her mind. The temple that had no source for what was causing it. Oh, for fuck's sake! Doesn't make any sense! The temple that had no, the temple that had no source for what was causing it. Please, it said. It was a woman's voice. You must stop Vashir. Head north and you will see the real world. <laughs> Falcom opened her eyes and shot to her feet. Who's there? Falcom called out into the temple as she frantically looked around. Head north, the voice continued. I know you have never set out of Shandu, but you must stop. Stop Vashir. The blade of ore must be destroyed before Concedus is brought back and enters our realm. Please stop Vashir, please. The voice stopped as Falcon began to run around the temple around the pillars to locate who was talking and where the voice had come from. But there was definitely no one in the temple except herself. Just so that the readers definitely know. That was just for the readers. Falcon knew she was not losing her mind as the voice had been so clear for her to hear. Oh, for f Not knowing who was talking or what just happened, she knew she must stop Vashir. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Her gut instinct was telling her to listen to what was said. So, it's like... It's like he just wanted her to go on the quest. The writer just wanted her to go on the quest. I mean, any normal sane human being would go to their friends and maybe say, Mate, I think I might be going nuts. Or anything like this but Falcom is obviously a fucking idiot because first of all she gets attacked in in, in the grass um, and she's obviously comes from a long line of idiots I mean we don't know anything about her mum because um, in, in something that she did not care for at all her mum died and her but her dad is somebody that, that attacks her for no fucking reason for a birthday no less and then this then she goes to the temple here's a voice and just accepts it immediately. She doesn't go to her best friend and say, mate, I, I've heard a voice telling me to go and kill somebody and I'm just going to accept it immediately because the writer wants me to go on a quest and that's it. We want to go from zero to quest in a second and that's and that's just it. Fuck it. Um, so she knew she must stop Vashir. Her gut instinct was telling her to listen to what was said and she sensed honesty in the woman's voice as well as familiarity and goodness. But it, there's no chance it could be lying, so fuck it, let's do it. She grabbed her knives from the table as she began to leave the temple. She stopped suddenly as she looked up. Who are you? Oh, now she questions it. She accepted it and then questions it. She questioned into the temple as there was no response. What is the blade of ore? Another good question, finally. Still, there was no response as she decided her attempts were in vain. 
She wasn't afraid of what was said or who was saying it, and felt in two minds as to what she should do. No, she accepted it a second ago, so, so now she's in two minds. She left the temple quickly to speak with Salin in the hope that he might have heard the voice, as, as well as even though he was outside. As well as even though he was outside- well, what the fuck? Falcon thought about how loud and clear it was to her, and so there would be no harm in asking Salin. What? How are those two things connected? Look, I- Anyway, we're nearly at the end of this chapter, okay? So I'm going to finish the chapter, and then there's something I want to talk about, okay? So I'm going to shut up for a minute. I know I keep interrupting the story, but she, 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 this next line, she excited the temple and Salin was sat with his back to the doors. As she opened the doors, she turned to face her. What? Salin's a man. Okay. As she opened the doors, Salin suddenly had a sex change and turned to face her and got to his feet. That was quick, Salin said as Falcon came up to him. Did you hear any of that? Falcon hastily asked. Heard what? Salin replied. I was practicing some staff combat. It's not a staff! This is going to be a sudden and unexpected question, Falcon said. But what would you say about leaving the village and heading north? No! That's the wrong question! You're supposed to... Ugh. Falcon was fairly abrupt, and a shocked expression on uh, and a shocked expression appeared on Salem's face. We've known each other since we were born, but you're going to think I'm crazy. You'll have to believe me when I say the world of Lunar is in danger. A man named Vashir has a blade called the Blade of Ore, and we have to do something. That was bad. Oh God, I uh, yeah, so I feel pretty fatigued. Anyway, the point is, there's a couple of things that I wanted to speak about, and there's uh, I, I may do more of these depending on, on if, if people want to hear the rest of the chapters. It, it, it gets worse. I mean, that's a pretty bad opening chapter because it is all over the place. Um, it's quite obvious that the guy just wanted to get them all on the quest. Um, now, it's this book is is inspired by Final Fantasy, and uh, he wrote it when he was fourteen. So I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking um, when I say that is that oh, don't knock him, mate. He was only fourteen when he wrote it. But the bloke actually went back and edited it when he was twenty-eight, I believe. And he went back and edited it, and he went through the whole thing and rewrote it. He literally rewrote the whole thing, the whole story, and he believed that this was good enough to send out to publishers and he did and he he sent it to us saying that this was the best thing that he's ever written and when he sent it to us i believe one of the lines that he said was something along the lines of um that tolkien was was a hack and that he could do a better job something like that something like that so i don't feel that bad about tearing it to shreds but the thing about it is one of my favorite things that he said one of my favorite things that he said was when we were tearing it apart at work right we all had like he sent it out to everyone he was super proud of it and he sent it out to everyone we were all reading at work one day and we were like picking holes in it okay and there was a point where we realized that that all of the characters and we will get to this probably in the next chapter they're all walking along right they walk from village to village because this was inspired by final fantasy and of course they do that in those games and he just wanted them to be all walking along as a party and encountering monsters and my friend Daryl he brings up a pretty good point and he goes 
uh, mate, why don't they just get a horse and cart? And he says, oh, the wheel hasn't been invented in this world. And so I did a quick find uh, thing in the document. And uh, there's a bit where... And I search for the word wheel. And in the uh, in the document, it mentions uh, the word wheel once, where it says that Falcon cartwheeled. And I said, why are you using the word cartwheel in your book if they don't have cartwheels? They don't have carts or wheels in your universe. And so he quickly changed it. And I can't remember why, but another weird one was as well is that he said they don't have bread in the universe. I really don't remember why, but there was another nitpick that somebody came up with uh, where they said something along the lines of, I can't remember why, I, I don't remember, but he said they don't have bread. And I did another quick search and found eight mentions of where they eat bread. And there was a plot hole for some reason. I, I will hopefully come across that when we continue reading the book, but there was a reason why bread would have fixed a certain problem in the book, and I can't remember why. But yeah, he said they don't, uh, his, his answer was they don't have bread. And there were, there's so many inconsistencies in this book, and we'll get to those. It gets far worse than this opening chapter, but I hope you enjoyed that anyway. Uh, yeah, that was The Void, Conceitus Awakening, Chapter 1. See you later. <laughs>